1: We had a lot of interesting things going on this week in Lansing, even though the legislature has recessed for about three months. Uh, I'd say the three biggest stories are the voters, not politicians general election ballot proposal that would take redistricting of congressional and legislative district lines away from the legislature. They cannot draw the lines anymore. Uh, which is what they've been doing for the last approximately 20 years and give it to an independent commission after every decennial census. In other words, after the census of 2020 uh, this independent commission would take over and redraw state house of representative state Senate and congressional district lines in Michigan uh, for the first time. If the proposal passes in November now, It's not absolutely certain that it will be on the ballot in November because the Supreme court is still reviewing the language of the proposal as to its constitutionalities. There's been a challenge to the VNP voters, not politicians proposal that it is not constitutional. And that is before the state Supreme court, but the state Supreme court has said to the board of state canvassers, go ahead prepare to put it on the ballot in November, and we'll let you know if we decide it should not be put to a vote of the people. Sounds a little strange, but that is what the Supreme Court has said. Now, the second thing that happened uh, this week that was uh, noteworthy is the Democratic candidates for governor, three of them, Sri Tanadar, Gretchen Whitmer, and Abdul El-Sayed, had a debate televised statewide from Wood TV in Grand Rapids. Uh, This is the first of what are going to be two debates that the Democrats have. Um, And I would describe it as a rather soporific event. It was not a game changer. I think all three candidates were risk averse. They did not want to make any major mistakes and they pointedly, avoided saying anything nasty about each other or trying to, um, uh, incisively draw distinctions between their individual candidate candidacies and their opponents, uh, viewpoints on issues. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they held the debate. They've had other kind of town hall type format joint appearances, uh, in the spring and early summer, before the televised debate, but this is the first one that was really televised statewide. You could see it live streaming online uh, if you weren't in the uh, great Grand Rapids, telefo- uh, excuse me television market. Um, so we'll see what happens in the second debate. Uh, the third thing that happened is that uh, interim Michigan State University President John Engler survived on Friday. Uh, a move by two Democratic trustees to oust him as the interim president, but the motion to oust him failed on a vote of six to two. The other six uh, trustees voted against it. Uh, John Engler has uh, incurred the wrath of uh, a lot of people, particularly uh, in the uh, victim community the survivors of uh, Dr. Larry Nasser uh who believe that John Engler has been insensitive uh in terms of what happened to them and what must be done to change the culture at Michigan State University uh he made a major mistake uh, about 10 days ago uh when there was a freedom of information act request for an email um he wrote back in April in which he uh, suggested that the attorney for the survivors was maybe taking a kickback from trial attorneys uh, on the issue of uh, compensation to the victims. And that obviously incurred uh, fury from the survivors and the attorney for the survivors and a lot of the news media and commentators. And, John Engler at first was unapologetic. Uh, but then finally he decided, okay, uh, enough is enough. Uh, I'll just say, I'm sorry and move on. And, uh, we'll see what happens from now on. John Engler is supposed to be the interim president from now until the fall of 2019 when Michigan state university hopes to have a new president in place, but that's a 15-month search uh, in front of them for a new president, and we'll see what happens in the interim. Now, that was this week. Uh, Looking ahead to the August 7th primary, uh, one of the interesting things in that primary that hardly anybody in the news media has paid any attention to whatsoever is that the Michigan Libertarian Party uh, received enough votes to have their candidates listed on the primary election ballot, uh, in, uh, August, August 7th, uh, coming up in just, uh, you know, five, six weeks. This is a first, uh, a lot of people might say, so what? Who cares? Well, the libertarians are the third oldest uh, party in Michigan. Uh, they were founded in 1972. Uh, they have state conventions in the past. That's where they've had to nominate their candidates because, They've never gotten enough votes to qualify uh, to be on the primary ballot. Uh, but this year, they will be on the ballot. And why will they be on the ballot? Because the Libertarian presidential candidate, Gary Johnson, you may remember, in 2016, uh, earned more than the 154,000 vote threshold necessary for a splinter party to participate in the August, 2018 primary. That's the one coming up. Um, Gary Johnson is a former Republican governor from New Mexico, uh, but he ran as a libertarian. You may remember against Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and Jill Stein, who was the green party nominee. And in Michigan, Gary Johnson won 172,711 votes in Michigan. That was 3.6% of the state's total vote. And that's the largest percentage of votes captured by a third party candidate since Ross Perot won 9% back in 1996. Uh, Unofficial uh, results, uh, now official, uh, in Michigan in 2016 uh, showed that third-party candidates in Michigan earned a combined 233,249 votes, which was like uh, almost uh, five times as much um, as they had earned in 2012. Uh, It it was a big third-party turnout. Jill Stein got about a percent and a half, Gary Johnson, as I said, got 3.6%. Part of that, I think, was fueled by unfavorability ratings uh, with both Republican president-elect at that time, now President Donald Trump, and Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. Uh, So uh, we're going to have a guest on uh, today uh, in a few minutes uh, who is going to be one of two candidates on the ballot on August 7th for the libertarian nomination for governor. I mean, the libertarians are not only on the ballot August 7th, they've actually got a contest. Uh, our guest is named Bill Jellino, and he will be running against John Tatar of Livonia. So they got a contest for the libertarian nomination. In a primary, first time this has ever happened in Michigan history. I'll be back in a few minutes with more details.
0: You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back,
1: and uh, before we go any farther, I just want to mention, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, uh, it's Bill at MoreTalkNow.com. Bill at MoreTalkNow.com, or you could get me uh, at my uh, personal um, website, Bill at TheBallingerReport.com. Bill at the Report.com. And by the way, uh, on that website, The Ballinger Report, you can find... Uh, the Friday morning podcast, which is done every week um, on Fridays. And then it's archived, and you can see all the programs there. And some of the stuff we talk about, uh, we talk about on this show as well. And sometimes we have guests uh, that talk back to us, ask us questions. We ask them questions. And so you can tune in and hear that as well. Uh, now let's go to the libertarians again, the libertarians and a lot of people I think are nonplussed confused about what libertarianism really is. And I'm going to let our guest, when we get him on the show, uh, describe exactly what libertarian is and what it stands for and, uh, where he stands on a lot of the issues. But just let me mention that our guest, whose name is Bill Gellano, that's spelled G-E-L-I-N-E-A-U, sounds French to me, Jeleneau, Uh, he was born in Michigan in 1959, the era when he says anything was possible. Uh, his dad was originally from Colorado. Uh, he settled in Detroit. He worked in the auto industry uh He worked in the uh, classic Michigan Central Depot building uh, at the corner of Michigan Avenue and Verner Highway in Detroit. and that's where his father met his mother, who by the way, during World War II was a Rosie the Riveter at Tirestone Tires plant in Riverview. Uh, she fu- quit that job to raise three children as a full-time mom. Uh, The family bought a home in Riverview, which is uh, sandwiched in the Downriver, Detroit area between Wyandotte, Trenton, and Southgate. Uh, Bill went to Riverview Community High School. He also went to University of Michigan. He went to Wayne State University. Uh, He got very active in the Riverview JCs when he uh, graduated from high school. He got active uh, in the campaign of uh, Dick Headley, Richard Headley, who was the Republican nominee for governor of Michigan way back in 1982, lost to Jim Blanchard in the general election. Um, then uh, Bill Jeleneau, uh went on to a uh, business career, a consolidated foods corporation, uh, now Sarah Lee. Uh, he became general manager for Vicorp restaurants incorporated in the exploding Florida market. Uh, he returned to Michigan and, uh, he found a few investors. He started his own restaurant, the apple blossom family restaurant in grand Rapids. Uh, he has been very active with his wife and his family. Um, in extracurricular physical activities, athletic activities, I would almost say. Uh, They've climbed several mountains on the Continental Divide. They've had the opportunity when both living in Colorado for a short time uh, and traveling extensively uh, with his family to do that. Together, they've been to 49 states, nine Canadian provinces, and two territories, as well as uh, four foreign nations. Uh, they have a lot of hobbies, uh, and, uh, they really have enjoyed all 83 counties, uh, in the great state of Michigan, all of which they have visited at one time or another. Uh, they once did by the way, Donna, that is Bill's wife, uh, and Bill once did a full circumnavigation of the great lakes. Uh, For more than 40 years, uh, Bill Jeleneau has gotten active uh, politically. He's worked on a wide range of projects from voter registration drives to ballot initiatives, protests to public presentations. Uh, Many would find his involvement with the Libertarian Party surprising, uh, especially if they don't know many Libertarians, which I think it's fair to say most Michiganders uh, do not. For many years, the Libertarian Party of West Michigan had a section of road cleanup in downtown Grand Rapids making a regular commitment to environmental action. Uh, libertarians across the state have been involved in a wide range of activities, uh, all the way from gun safety programs. They provided volunteers to public television, uh, roadway and beach cleanup efforts, civic outreach, uh, particularly doing uh, Con- Constitution Day training and awareness. Now, in, nine, in 2003, so we're talking 15 years ago, uh, Bill Gellano was elected as chairman of the Libertarian Party of Michigan. So he became the state party chairman just like uh, Brandon Dillon is today for the Democratic Party of Michigan, and Ron Weiser is for the Republican Party in Michigan. Bill Jeleno has been chairman of the Libertarian Party, and uh, he served as the first state party chairman of any party to oppose, get this, to oppose the Patriot Act. Remember the Patriot Act passed at the federal level in the wake of 9-11. At the time, he was a minority voice, who a wide range of both conservative and liberal thinkers have come to embrace. Uh, to this day, he is allowed advocate for due process and the protections of the Fourth Amendment, which he believes were taken away from Americans by the provisions of the Patriot Act. Uh, over the years, uh Bill has been uh out front on many civil liberties issues. Uh, He's endorsed marriage equality, uh, presumptive joint custody laws. Uh, He's endorsed the Michigan Civil Rights Initiative, I think, back in 2006. And he and other libertarians helped pass medical marijuana when it came before the voters uh, statewide in 2008. Uh, So as an advocate for what they describe as true liberty, um, Bill Jeleno as libertarian party chairman has spoken at over 20 Michigan colleges and universities. He's made presentations at senior facilities and high schools, and he's had the good fortune to offer timely ideas to the marketplace on radio and television hundreds of times. Uh, he's got an opponent and his opponent's name is John Tatar, T-A-T-A-R, Uh, Just like uh, Thomas Tatar, you may remember, was a Detroit Red Wing hockey player until uh, he was traded to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, We may be able to get him uh, in a week or two. But in a couple of minutes, uh, hopefully we're going to talk to Bill Gelino, and we'll take it from there. I'll be back.
0: You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill.
1: Thank you. Bill Ballinger back again. Uh, remember, if you want to write us at all, it's bill at moretalknow.com. Uh, but we have got a great guest on with us today, uh, Bill Gellano, who is... Uh, the, I believe now, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, former uh, Libertarian Party chairman in the state of Michigan. I think he held that role for 16, 17 years, but he gave it up to run for governor. And he's going to be on the August 7th primary ballot. He's got one opponent, John Tater. I mispronounced Mr. Tater's name a few minutes ago. It's pronounced Tater, T A T A R. And uh, uh, welcome to the show, Bill Jellino.
2: Well, thanks, Bill. I I have a lot less hair than I do now. If I had served for seventeen years consecutively, but uh, I was actually chairman after nine eleven back in two thousand three, and uh, served again when Gary Johnson made his big run in two thousand sixteen, and in between did a lot of things to help out and serve the board, but uh, only been chairman for two of those seventeen years.
1: Okay, <laughs> okay. But what you felt you you had to give it up to run for governor.
2: Well, I didn't have to, but I certainly chose to. I, I, I have a really good successor, a gentleman who is a real leader in our party named Bill Hall. And, uh, you know, it really is a job that if you want to do it, you need to focus on it. And, um, you know, this year with our unique opportunity, uh, I wanted to give it my all. And so that's my only focus right now is to be just the best candidate I can be.
1: Okay, well... The Democrats, uh, as you may know, have three candidates running for their party's nomination. The Republicans have four running for their party's nomination. But the Libertarians have two, you and John Tater. What are you and John Tater doing uh, to advance your candidacies between now and August 7th?
2: Well, I don't want to speak too much for John. He certainly has appeared at at many of the local affiliates that we have around the state. Um, I'm really proud of the team that I've built. I have about 50 people working with me, all volunteer, and uh, we have a substantial social media presence as well as, um, I think I'm somewhere up around 25,000 miles that I've driven since last July. So we're meeting with a lot of groups. Uh, For example, we were at the uh, Small Business uh, Association of Michigan meeting in Lansing yesterday where we had the opportunity to meet with a lot of people in the small business world.
1: Well, what would you say the principal differences between you and John Tater are on the issues, uh, or the way you look at libertarianism? Is there a difference or is it maybe just name ID difference or where you're from? You're from the west side of the state, uh, Grand Rapids. He's from Livonia. What is it?
2: Well, it. We we actually agree on many things, um, but I think we are substantially different in, in quite a few ways. Uh we both attended Wayne State, um and incidentally I'm from uh Wayne County. I was born in uh Trenton and lived in Riverview till I was uh adult and uh came over to the west side of the state. So I have familiarity with both sides. Um, I you know, I, I, I try not to characterize other people's uh activities too much, but John is very much a constitutionalist. He he focuses on uh, sort of the uh, philosophic role of what libertarianism is, and has uh, spoken about that. Um, I uh, think of myself a little bit differently. Um, I use libertarian thought to inform my judgment, um, but I don't feel that it binds me. Um, I, I, when talking yesterday at the SBA, I said, you know, I probably the only gubernatorial candidate in the room who's interested in expanding the base of our party. Um, I think there are good people uh, in all the political parties in Michigan, and I want to work toward a solutions-based philosophy. Um, I think libertarian thought can offer some really good ideas in the marketplace, and I'm I'm somewhat more forward-looking, I think, in that sense. Uh, We do have some specific issues, if you want me to itemize, that, that John and I disagree on. Um, And that's, you know, that's really the tone, is uh, try to stay positive and, and talk to people about the real issues that affect them. Well, let's
1: just ask the question right up front. What does libertarianism stand for in Michigan, in particular, if you can, and you say your candidacy is based on this, as it relates to the issues here in Michigan that we talk about?
2: Sure. Well, you know, we start with freedom in all things, and so as I look at the specific issues, uh, for example, you know, one of the big ones out there, of course, is the legalization of uh, recreational marijuana, and, uh, you know, that was in our platform in the 1970s. You know, we we see that as a fundamental right, and uh, so we don't lean either left or right. Um, You know, I would talk about gun ownership the same way. It's a natural right that, that people have, and libertarian philosophy of course uh, informs us that that freedom uh, should be protected and that government exists for the purpose of protecting individual liberties and so to whatever extent possible try to look at the issues as they are and uh, you know one of my big issues for example is an amendment to the Headley cap which limits the amount of revenue that the state could bring in and I feel that's really consistent with libertarian philosophies to to government into the Constitution, to get it as small as is reasonable, and and still meet the needs that uh, are designated to government to do.
1: Okay, let me ask you a really big specific issue. Roads, infrastructure, bridges. I mean, you hear about this from all the Republican and Democratic candidates. They're scrambling for uh, positions on that issue, and who's got the best ideas and what's the best approach. What is your approach? What is the libertarian approach on that issue? Or do you feel maybe it's not an issue that's worth paying that much attention?
2: Well, I do think it is an issue, and it's a, it's a really big issue, and it affects our economy. It affects, you know, many of the things that we have to pay for as citizens, and so, um, you know, there are combination of approaches, and on a, on a, there is, to some extent, talking about where we can privatize uh, matters like water systems. Uh, most people don't know there are a lot of private water systems around the state, um, and that may be part of the solution but to the extent that we have this this really rotting infrastructure that needs to be dealt with um, my criticism of both the republicans and the democrats is is just where do you get the money um, the democrats think we're gonna raise a, a lot of taxes to do that and, and i just don't believe that that's in the cards um, and i think the last couple years where we've had initiatives to do that uh, have shown that the public is not in favor of that and at the same time i don't think the republicans have any answers at all So part of where I feel we find the money is um, I've called for a 30% reduction in the number of people we have in the correction system. Uh, And this is not wild or crazy. Uh, A lot of academics have talked about the fact that Michigan has about 30% people more in prison per capita than Indiana or Ohio or Illinois. And I just don't believe that Michigan citizens are inherently more criminal. I think we have a prison industry, um, and it, it... benefits some, uh, you know, certainly if you're in uh, the judiciary or the police or, or the prison unions. Um, you know, these are jobs that are generated as a result of, of this decision we've made to lock up so many people. But um, corrections is about 30% of the discretionary budget, that part that Lansing actually gets to make decisions about. So there's a lot of money available that could be used for a whole range of other priorities that government is responsible for doing.
1: So in other words, your solution would be stop spending so much in other areas uh, of state government where we're spending way too much and we've got the wrong priorities and reallocate that money to infrastructure repair.
2: I think that's exactly right. Uh, Another large target of mine uh, is the Michigan Strategic Fund. Uh, which is not to say that everything that's in that department uh, would be dispensed with, but, you know, one of the big ones that, you know, a lot of people recognize is pure Michigan, um, which I think is pure BS. Um, You know, these are the kinds of activities that the Chamber of Commerce and other interested parties should get together, but it is not the responsibility of the general taxpayer to try to get people to come to the lakeshore. Um, So this kind of government intrusion into the marketplace to help certain kinds of businesses and not help certain other businesses, I believe is very destructive.
1: Okay, we're going to take a short break here. We'll be right back with Bill Jeleneau, Libertarian candidate for governor in the August 7th primary.
0: is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill.
1: Bill Ballinger here with Bill Jeleneau, who is a Libertarian Party candidate for the gubernatorial nomination on August 7th, and if he wins that, uh, November 6th general election, he'll be on the ballot against the Republican and Democratic nominees, Bill Jeleneau. We were talking about how we approach solving the infrastructure road repair problem in Michigan. You made some very good suggestions. Let me just ask you, uh, what else do you have in your platform you're really accentuating as you go around the state campaigning for this nomination?
2: I appreciate that, Bill. And, you know, one of the things I want to do is encourage people to come to my website, which is uh, come togethermichigan.org. And uh, we chose that domain for a very important reason, is that we think it's really important to get people thinking about the priorities of our state. And uh, Obviously, um, we're, we're running a very comprehensive campaign, and we want to be competitive, and that requires that we talk about a lot of things. And as you know, with limited time, it's tough to cover them all. But let me just hit two that are maybe outside the, uh, the general discussion, but I think a lot of people talk about and have certainly uh, talked about with me on the campaign trail. You know, number one, um, you know, the governor of the state is the head of the Michigan National Guard. And we've had a lot of discussion about the use of the National Guard in these undeclared conflicts around the world. And uh, I'm probably one of the very few, I'm the only person in Michigan that's talking about this issue. And, you know, we've had an awful lot of people, as I've gone to the VFW and other places, where people have been uh, killed and, and scarred for life as a result of these activities. And I've pledged to oppose... Any president, Democrat or Republican, who utilizes our Michigan National Guard in an undeclared conflict. And uh, it's a big issue, and, and I've got a lot of support throughout the military for standing very firmly on that. And that includes uh, having them dispensed to go to the southern border or any other place where the congressional mandate has not been given. The, the second one, which is, uh, you know, comes back to a uh ideal, Um, from long ago, and that is the the right to make your own decisions about end-of-life issues. Um, You know, we all remember Jack Kevorkian and how controversial that was. Um, But throughout the country, many states have adopted Oregon was first uh, to permit people to make end-of-life decisions and and death with dignity. Um, And and I think it's time that we, as a mature population, talk about that again. And, And I find people very receptive to that idea. The third one is probably one of the most forward-looking things that I'm I'm calling for, and um, you may know in the last couple of weeks there's been discussion about ending net metering, um, and this this highlights something where my opponent and I disagree a lot. Um, he is against smart meters, <laughs> and uh, offers some reasons for for that, um, and and I believe people should have the choice to have analog meters if that's what they want. Um, But I believe we should have really smart meters and actually work toward a modest uh, feed-in tariff, which would allow businesses and homeowners to put renewable energy on their home and their business and feed that into our net. If we're ever going to get to electronic vehicles and a cleaner environment, trying to reach for that uh, renewable standard, um, which I think we could get even higher than what we're calling for in legislation now, we need to find a pathway to get there, and uh, so a lot of folks don't know about libertarian commitment to the environment, um, but I'm out front on that. I'm ahead of anybody out there and got a lot of support within many of the more uh, forward-looking groups that are they're looking to, how do you get that done with private free market solutions? And and that's my answer. And you can read about it on my website.
1: Bill Gelano, let me ask you, education. Always a huge issue here in Michigan. It is again this year, whether or not, the K-12 public educational system we have here in Michigan is adequate, whether it's turning out students who can be competitive in the global economy, whether we're up to snuff compared to the other 49 states. And for that matter, higher education, which has been cut dramatically in terms of state spending over the past uh, 30 or 40 years. Um, We've got 15 public universities in Michigan, plus a private college system in Michigan. Uh, We got a lot of community colleges. How do you look at that whole situation? Because as you know, um, if you did all the savings and corrections that you describe, you know, big 30% cut in the budget, maybe the educational lobby is going to be right in there first in line, demanding that all this money go to education rather than to repair highways or roads or bridges or anything else. What do you say about that?
2: Well, um, I, I do think there are priorities in education. The one that I've focused most on is that we've had a big change in the number of counselors per student in our schools since the 1970s when I was in school. And, and it's really important. Uh, you know, we have a suicide crisis. We have a drug problem in Michigan uh, that plagues a lot of young people. And I believe that by restoring our more traditional ratio of counselors who provide guidance and sort of ombudsman uh, opportunities for, for kids uh, through school, I think is a real important piece of education. The other thing that I would change uh, if I had the opportunity working with the legislature is, um, would be that we have a need-based support for directly to students. Instead of sending money directly to the colleges um, for them to use in whatever fashion that they choose, That we create a more competitive environment among the colleges for the dollars that students would provide and that we give that support um, more directly to the students. I don't want to use the word vouchers, but I want to say that um, to whatever extent we're going to provide funding, let's give it to those students based on need or performance rather than directly to the universities to use in whatever fashion they wish. Um, I've I've written about this recently in terms of how that's become a, a negative redistribution upward because we provide so much support. To people who often come from the highest quintiles of uh, of our uh, society, um, and that we don't provide a lot of support in any way to people who make decisions not to go to college, just go into the workforce. And so, I've looked at how do we how do we balance that so that we've got a. a good opportunities for people to go to college if that's their choice. But if their choice is to go into a trade or some other fashion, um, that we encourage that as well because we need plumbers and we need electricians and we need all sorts of types of work that I think we should respect and not simply honor the four-year degree.
1: Another big issue has been health care in Michigan, specifically Healthy Michigan, which is basically Medicaid expansion under Obamacare that Governor Rick Snyder got through the legislature uh, with some difficulty about three years ago. Now it has been uh, the subject of debate because of a work requirement for Medicaid recipients that the Republican majorities in the House and Senate have attached to Healthy Michigan. How do you look at this whole issue of healthcare and the state's responsibility for it.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it is one of those areas where uh, a lot of libertarians look at me and say, uh, gee, you're you're kind of off the rails here because I think there are practical matters that need to be considered. And so I often go against my own party when talking about this. Um, I happen to agree with the governor in terms of uh, taking the money within a program that we don't control. It's a federal program. Um, I think taking the Medicaid money was the right decision. I also believe that the, the efforts by the Republicans to put in that work requirement are, are not well thought out. Um, for many people who are in that circumstance, we're punishing children because their parents may be long distances. They don't have transportation and housing. There's lots of other issues that need to be solved. Um, it is complicated. Um, I think it's something that we need to bring people together to collaborate. I would not have designed Obamacare the way it is, but I think um, I follow more in the path of Gary Johnson, that we need some free market solutions to the cost problem. It isn't about insurance, it's just how expensive everything is because we have such uncompetitive issues in Michigan, and one of which is I would uh, repeal the Certificate of Need rules, uh, which really prevents competition from coming in the gift hospitals for the high cost of doing an MRI, for example. And, and so I, I, I think that rather than trying to sum it into short and, and simple solutions, healthcare, if it were that easy to solve, we would have solved it a long time ago. And instead, I think we need to look at issue by issue. How can we create a better environment where people are going to make good, healthy decisions?
1: Okay, we're running out of time, unfortunately. Let me just ask you this. Uh, Do you think the Libertarians have taken advantage of their ballot status, the fact that they are now recognized uh, as a major party? Um, For instance, you don't have a candidate for U.S. Senate this year. You've got candidates for Congress in only two districts. For the State House, you're contesting 14 seats compared to 25 two years ago. Uh, How do you answer
0: that?
2: Well, I think that the the Republican Democrats have made it really hard for any of the smaller parties to be competitive when they jump up, which is why it's never happened. Um, And so I'm really proud of the fact that I have a lot of people working hard with me in conjunction, and and we're very hopeful that people are going to hear those ideas from those active candidates and and give us uh, an opportunity to continue to be in that marketplace of ideas.
1: Okay, Bill Jelino, I would love to go on longer with you, and we'll get you back on the program because there's so much we could talk about. But you did a very good job explaining what libertarianism means and what you stand for. And good luck on August 7th.
2: Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity.